to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which two Star Trek nerds and Star Trek noob watch all of Star Trek chronologically. My name is PJ Montgomery, and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Hello, everybody. So, here we are. We are at the end of the first season of Enterprise. It's been a long road. Mm-hmm. Don't. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> And in conjunction, we now have our own season as well. Yeah, this is also the end of our first season. Uh, but we'll we'll talk more about where we go next, season two of Enterprise, but how we're going to do it at the end of the show. Ooh. We are recording this in the middle of a ridiculous heat wave that Britain's having at the moment. So if we sort of sound tired or pass out halfway through the recording, you know why. <laughs> I, I have ice cubes shaped like spaceships in my glass. Oh, what have you got? Have you got Millennium Falcon ones? Millennium Falcon, Death Star, and a Star Destroyer. I knew there would be a Millennium. There's always a Millennium Falcon ice cube. I've got I've got lots of Star Wars ice cube trays, but I don't have any Star Trek ones. I, so I, I didn't have anything that's usable for this. The Death Star ice cube is amazing, but it's a bollock because you just keep having to remake that one unless you buy a load of Death Stars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like quite a few of the Star Trek designs would make quite flimsy ice models that would just snap. They've got a lot of thin bits. Yeah. You could you could make some good ice Klingon ships, I think. I think you'd be better off getting like an ice phaser, maybe, or like an ice tricorder or an ice <laughs> Malcolm Reed head. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to lick Malcolm Reed's head. <laughs> Why is there not an ice board cube? That's, I mean, that's just an ice cube. <laughs> Isn't ice board cube that guy from Airwolf? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually what would happen if Ice Cube and Ernest Borgnine went into the transporter together and got fused into one. <laughs> well, I guess we have another episode to write for our proposed Enterprise season one then. <laughs> oh dear. So today. We are looking at Shockwave, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Hooray. Mm-hmm. And directed by Alan Croker. And we open with the Enterprise on its way to a planet, Paragon, Paragon, I can't remember how they say it, Paragon 2 or something. And they're going to meet some people. The colony has a matriarchal society, which Trip's very excited about. Trip, yeah, is like... I. I I, I couldn't decide if he was excited about it or if he was really angry about it and he was going to go and tell him a, a thing or two about his his, his own patriarchal ideas. <laughs> Archer says the, the colony's grown very rapidly. There's about 3,600 3, people there. 
and they go, right, but you do have to follow these very strict protocols when you're coming down to the planet or the planet explodes. <laughs> That's Don't live there then. Yeah, don't live on an explosive planet. There was also a joke in here that really bugged me. Like They were like, oh, do you think Earth will have colonies out here in 20 years' time? And then he, he says, like, new Sol Salita, because, like, the only places in the fucking galaxy uh, are new versions of California. It's just, like, yep. a lazy Californian writer joke. Yes. So, anyway, Malcolm's flying them down to the planet, and they go, no, I'm going to shut these things that I've got to shut. I'm going to even shut them early, because, oh, no, the planet's blown up. And that's our teaser. And I instantly thought Malcolm had fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it seems likely, doesn't it? I mean, I did... <sighs> I I I did I didn't it's I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the explosion looked actually yeah, alright ish, considering enterprise standards. I think um early two thousand CGI for T V budget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not expecting fucking Avengers style animation, so whatever. You easily glaze past it and just go at serving a story purpose. But still, just Meh. All right then. So, so they fucked up, and that's the plot line for the finale. Great. <laughs> Although you know, it, there is more to it than that throughout the episode, of course. But as an opener <laughs> and a premise, there's it, a bit mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, we get the credits, and then after the credits, they're all in sick bay, and everyone's very sad, except Trip, who's just got a concussion. Yeah, which is the way it should be. I like to think that while they were on the shuttle, someone just like hit him with a spanner so they wouldn't have to deal with him for the next couple of hours. It's like, oh, oh no, he's concussed. But they have to do it every five minutes and every single time he goes, what'd you do that for? Why hit me on my head? (laughs) (laughs) And Malcolm's going, no, I didn't make a mistake. I don't make mistakes because I'm a robot. Yeah, and then they have to call Admiral Forrest. Admiral Forrest, once again, looks like he's just been caught on his way to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot get my head around that uniform. It's just like a, a shirt and tie and then like a little jacket, like a windbreaker that he wears. I don't know. <laughs> well, I did uh, I did worry a little bit about, about my wife at this point because there's a line where Archer says, there were 3,600 people. And she went, that's not that many. And I had to say, I mean, it's quite a lot if Malcolm's <laughs> killed them all. <laughs> I thought all the shit on the shuttle pods had just ignited and, and caused the problem. Because <laughs> Malcolm's not doing his job. Yeah, they, he does call Admiral Forrest, and Admiral Forrest says, well, do you know what you need to do now, Jonathan? You need to be a captain. But he doesn't do that. He just starts moping. Yeah, I know. It's just like, you know what you need to do now, Jonathan? You just need to just quietly warp away and pretend that we never went to the mining planet at all. And it's going to be okay. <laughs> do you remember that time when we got wasted and killed a man? Like, yeah, yeah. Let's just engage that protocol, is it? <laughs> and then Topol and Flocks are talking, and Topol's like, I don't get why he's being all sad and stuff. It was an accident. And Flocks says, Oh, you Vulcans. You silly Vulcans. <laughs> you fucking Vulcan prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh he's very much just I don't know, how's his species so much more able to comprehend, you know, other species, cultures and things. And yet Vulcans are the ones who are like completely in command of, of other civilizations and stuff. It, it's all, it's all a matter of if you know a friend who's good with Excel, right, their lives will be organized. 
like Excel's rubbish, but if they can use it, like they're never behind on their bills. They know how to like organize a trip. And like, you know, you're there just like floundering, like you're drowning because you, you're lying in the bath and you've forgotten how to get out. And they're like, that's the difference between the Vulcans and everybody else. They're not better than you. They just know how to use Excel. Excel being logic. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's it. Yeah. I prefer your dialogue to what Flock said to her there. Yeah. I can't even remember what Flock said now. I remember he said, ah, to be Vulcan. And then she said a load of stuff and he was basically like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> pretty much pretty much so we then cut to Archer moping in his quarters cuddling Porthos which fair enough Yeah, and he's basically looking at the faces of all the dead colonists and they do put a baby in there as well just to really hammer it home oh did they but they never mention it again <laughs> yeah after this point in the in the episode those 3,600 dead people have Absolutely no relevance to anything else that happens. That is mm-hmm. true, because they find traces of boring carbon or something, which I guess is an element that the plot is made out of. Um, and then Malcolm says bread pudding because he's British. Yep. Not just that, that was, into- that was Archer's entire motivation was his guilt for blowing people up, because that was what we assumed was the case at this point. Do you know what? If I were Archer, my argument would be Malcolm did it. Yeah, it's like we're just gonna like we're gonna execute Malcolm. You can't you can't execute him because then you can never blame him again. That's true. Maybe just cut off an arm. Yeah, you got to keep him around. Blood eagle him if he can survive it. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're not in in command of a spaceship when it's too hot. Because <laughs> 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 immediately he's like, let's just mutilate Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> but then you can use his hand as a fan <laughs> uh, I don't want to touch his pooly hands yeah I don't want to touch a severed Malcolm hand oh yeah you're right you're right <laughs> anyway Admiral Forrest calls up and says oh hey we've told Ambassador Sovell what happened which was a bad move because now he's just cancelled your whole mission you've got to come back to Earth and stay here for 20 years you are in space jail what fucking authority does Sovell have to do this like, Forrest doesn't want the mission cancelled. He could just go like, um, no. <laughs> go back to your, your compound, you, you prick. I don't think Forrest cares. I think Forrest is as invested as we are in what's going on. <laughs> he just wants to go out and get a pint of milk and food for the cat <laughs> and <laughs> go to the shop. Because he's planning on doing it for months. And every time he does Archer calls and he has to sit down in his jacket, that's, that's what he's doing. Half the time, he's just trying to go out to the pub. <laughs> yeah. Something else that uh, Lisa pointed out is Forrest is very much the manager who will sit there and do nothing, but then take credit for everything you do that goes well. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I like Forrest, though, but I just think he's like, oh, what have you done now? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the next scene, because you get a, a scene of Hoshi and Travis talking, going, well, what should we do now? And Hoshi's like, I'll go back to Brazil, because I'm fucking brilliant, and they need me there. Yeah. And then Travis says, well, I don't know, people back home apparently think we do nothing out here but get in trouble. And I'm there going, people are right. Yeah. I was just going to say, is this when Hoshi says that she would be she would defend Archer, too, if she had to? She says something yeah. like, oh, I would... She says I would defend Archer like in any language too, like if she had to. Yeah, and then Travis is like the most famous boomer around, so he's gonna I don't know, 
like buy a house for five thousand dollars in the in the sixties and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what boomers do. <laughs> so this is what they're spending their finale doing, going through what characters are gonna do once they quit Starfleet. Because yeah. that's what the plot is. Malcolm's gonna strangle people. Yeah, so we get a couple of scenes like this, because then you get Trip and Flox, and Flox is packing away all his animals, and Trip's like, Oh, I hate that you're positive about everything. And Flox is like, Oh, I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Just trying to poke the bear. He's he's down there rattling cages, like literally rattling cages. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Flox doesn't give two shits. <laughs> yep. <sighs> oh, so confused by that interaction. That was bizarre. Yeah, I like that actually. I I feel that it is like that sort of weird Denobulan detachment that he's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll just thrive wherever I do. I'm a Denob- I'm a Denobulan. I did like the. The chat between DePaul and Archer, and it was the first time I've ever thought about this. But DePaul could probably take Archer in a fight. Like, I mean, not in like she's better than him, but she's a Vulcan and they're really strong. And like, not really thought. She just nerves that. pinched him. Yeah, she could, and then kick his ass <laughs> while he's unconscious. Yeah, just repeatedly kick him in the testicles. Yeah, so T'Pol goes to Archer's quarters. Archer's still moping, and she's like, oh, Malcolm's found something. And Archer says, I don't want to touch anything Malcolm has found. (laughs) Has he washed under his fingernails? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, well, that's fair. But also, you know, you need to argue with Starfleet. I'll argue with the Vulcan High Command, and everything will be fine. And Archer's like, don't want to. I'm going to bed. (laughs) Yeah, he's just been a little bitch about it. He really is. He's a bitch. And he's, he spends half the episode moping, and then the other half of the episode just kind of going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, he's about to do that, because mm-hmm. we now... Jesus Christ. <laughs> we cut to Archer going to bed. He turns the lights out, calls Porthos to say, hey, Porthos, get on the bed, I want to cuddle. Porthos doesn't get on the bed, so he turns the lights on, and oh no, he's in his room back on Earth in his apartment. Oh no. And I was I was suddenly like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of, oh, maybe they could actually do something interesting with it. And then about a minute of time passes of Archer getting up and looking around, being suspicious in his, what I assume is old American city apartment in a big building. And then he turns around and sees Crewman Daniels, and I went, no! <laughs> <laughs> Lisa's exact response was oh fuck off (laughs) Daniel's got a do over (laughs) Um, I will say I like that and I was glad that Archer's first response was like is Porthos okay? yeah he's a good dog owner yeah and Porthos was okay you're not dreaming captain Daniels. This must be very disorienting. I apologize, but I have no choice. Commander Tucker told me you were dead. That Scylla killed you. He didn't. In a manner of speaking. We have to talk, Captain, and it's essential that none of the other factions know about it. I doubt any of them would think I'd bring you here. So you're telling me you brought me back, what, ten months ago? How about Jonathan Archer ten months ago? Where's he? He's you. Then who just climbed into bed aboard Enterprise? 
That hasn't happened yet. That's a load of crap, and you know it. <laughs> I've had this conversation with half a dozen people. It always ends up the same way. Can't you ever give a straight answer? <sighs> Depends on the question. All right. Try this one. Why am I here? Yeah. So it, it turns out Daniels has quantum leaped Archer into himself from 10 months ago <laughs> so they can have a conversation. Yeah. This is what I didn't get about that is that up until this point, haven't they just like traveled around in time, not like put him into his body? And I think he never actually went back in time. I just think he went to a hologram. Because <laughs> I was half expecting it to just end up to be a hologram or something. But, yeah, it was even more convoluted. Yeah, well, it means we're dealing with temporal Cold War bullshit, and so straight away everyone's very unhappy about it. I think even even Archer, Daniel says, hey, do you remember me mentioning the temporal Cold War? And Archer's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So they, anyway, they find out, then they find out there's a phase discriminator attached to the, the shuttle or something. So the, the planet shouldn't have blown up, according to Daniels, because he's an expert in history or something <laughs> but yeah so we basically he sends that's all that happens they go oh well we better sort this out and then it cuts and archer's back on the enterprise and malcolm's found this phase discriminator thing there that you said on the shuttle and he's like right where crewman daniels said it was Aha. this explains why we've been so racist for the last year there's been a discriminator attached <laughs> to the shuttle <laughs> <laughs> My favorite bit of this scene is he's like to Hoshi, right? You make the comms go fuzzy. Malcolm, you get the armory on alert. Which one of you drives this thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's, me too. That's great, Trent. You you drive the ship. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then he says to Trip, and he's very happy. Hey, it wasn't our fault. And Trip's like, yeah, but there's still 3,600 dead people. Don't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Archer can't. Archer can't help just be like, "But it wasn't my fault. It wasn't." And he goes skipping down the corridors, saying it. I'd be really chuffed if if I wasn't responsible for three thousand six hundred deaths. <laughs> I, I, oh, I can't sure. disagree at this point because then, I mean, three thousand. I was going to say three thousand six hundred deaths is a tragedy, but it's not my fault. <laughs> That's a great feeling. Yeah. But you sh could show a little decorum about it as well. You say, well, good for me, but bad for them. Archer doesn't even say bad for them. He's just like, hooray! Yeah, it's also not as much... It's not as much not your fault as if you weren't around the planet in the ship that made it explode. I mean, I guess it kind of still is their fault because they've been fucking around with these Suleban all this time and they've just ended up making enemies of them. Yeah, so the, the, the device is a Suleban device. And so they go back to the planet. And while they're on their way there, Archer says, hey, here's some things Crewman Daniels taught me how to build in only two hours somehow. <laughs> build them. It was actually an hour and 45 minutes. There were 15 minutes like where Archer had to find a pen. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Archer and Malcolm then, while he's saying to Trip, hey, build these things, he and Malcolm go into Daniel's quarters, and there's Clancy Brown watching uh, conspiracy theory videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In his pants. <laughs> also, like, they just put a lock on the door. Nobody went in and was like, oh, we should probably look through this shit. Like, 
they might have like a bomb <laughs> in here or something or like we don't because they didn't know what the fuck was there like they were like oh look there's one of those devices from before let's use this yeah so they are basically going through a database of ships that was in daniel's quarter which is a very careless thing to leave around a database of all these ships from the future yeah and yeah they find schematics of the Sulaban cloaked vessel Ooh. oh my god i just didn't care i just didn't care <laughs> nothing nothing happened <laughs> i i thought uh, i like that bit where trip says i feel like a chef who's made a meal with ingredients he's never tasted <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that was that was what i guess could be considered you know semi-okay writing for that line but what was he talking about again engines right oh like the machine that they built to test to to find the stealth yeah 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 he's he's a clever man it was fun when malcolm did that shooting like they actually put some effort into the shooting for once they didn't just like fire the phases twice and go well i'm all fresh out of ideas (laughs) They, they give her a right royal pummeling so this is a sequence in the episode I actually really liked, yeah. where the Enterprise goes back to the planet and then goes on to another nearby system where they find the cloaked Sulaban ship, and they attack the fuck out of it, disable its cloaking device, its weapons, and its engines, and then Archer, Trip and T'Pol board it and just run through using stun grenades and phasers to take out as many Sulaban as they can to get these data disks that they need to prove the Enterprise is innocent. Mm-hmm. And I really like the sequence up until they get pinned down by some Sulaban, and Malcolm's like, oh, take cover, because with these giant phase cannons that I blow up mountains with, I can do a pinpoint strike that will just knock a couple of Sulaban unconscious. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was like, he could have just like sucked them all into space. Like, what? <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> but I, I did enjoy the scene. I, I also found like the scenes where like the Superman fell off the ceiling, being like really entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, why were they on they, the ceiling? Because they fucking idiots, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like. I don't know if this makes me a space racist, but I really enjoy watching the Sulaban get killed. <laughs> I specifically enjoyed watching them fall from the ceiling. <laughs> they thought they were so fucking clever. I, I get that maybe the idea is they're trying to be trying to be sucking onto the ceiling and drop down onto their prey from above, all spooky and surprise attack or something. But your ceilings are like normal spaceship height. I can see you as soon as I walk into the room. Anyway, there's no point. Like, I think the idea was that they were invisible, and then they get stunned and they visible and fall. How does invisible equate to on the ceiling? <laughs> well, they're doing two things: on being on the ceiling and being invisible. Yeah, that's two different things. You look back at like 80s, 90s music and you think of the song The Invisible Man and Dancing on the Ceiling and you just combine them. (laughs) That should give you an idea. It's like when Spider-Man is on a ceiling but can also still fire a web because he can do two things at once. But he's Spider-Man. That's his reason for being on the ceiling. (laughs) The Sulaban don't have a reason. (laughs) What's wrong with Richie's reason for being on the ceiling? I mean, Lionel Richie's reason is he's just feeling great. And maybe the Sulaban were listening to Lionel Richie and thought, fuck yeah. If they'd have included that and never explained it, I would respect the series 20% more. I, I don't think they could afford the rights to that song. <laughs> I like the idea that the only music that made it that far out into space is Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I like they've got really stiff dancing, like sort of 
like sort of German, like sort of kraut rock style dancing with their arms <laughs> just going up and down, dancing on the stage. <laughs> I listened to it. One Sudaban went, hey, what a feeling. I will try dancing on the ceiling. And then he says to his mate, this is fucking great. You want to get up here? And they're all up there. <laughs> I see it was more of a religious cult now. And then these vandals from the Enterprise just lob a grenade in and they fall off the ceiling. Also, I, I want to point out here, the chief engineer, yeah, chief engineer, the captain and the first officer went on this mission. There must have been a couple of other people they could have taken, like just two guys to soak up some shots, you know? I mean, the tactical officer is Malcolm. That implies he is the best security officer they've got. So no, don't take anyone else. Not him. Like He has to touch the guns because that's what he loves. Like he could have, he's got underlings. He's got a staff. He could have sent the staff. Yeah, but they're going to be way worse than he is. They'll have shot Archer in the back by mistake. <laughs> oh, Archer can just kick him out in the corridor in front of him, and they'll die like they always do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have they've said there's like what eighty people working on the Enterprise, roughly around that, right? Yeah, I reckon that it's it's like twenty. And they just have disguises and swap <laughs> rotors and shifts and cover each other really quickly. And what, they're all like drawing each other's pay? Yeah, they're all just like, look, if we just work extra hours, the, the captain doesn't have to know. Okay, we can just earn a lot more. Ship will still run just about. So we'll get away with it. Like, <laughs> It's like Flox and his medical team. Oh, exactly. yeah. Like, Dr. Flox, what's that hand puppet? What hand puppet? This is my assistant. Keith. <laughs> He'll be performing the surgery. He puts a little scalpel <laughs> in, in its hand. <laughs> I imagine he's put the ping pong ball eyes on the sock as well. And... <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, Captain, it's a very simple procedure to follow, but Keith's going to do it. And he doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. I'm sorry to do this, but to go from something as fun as Dr. Flox's assistant, Keith, to Silic, but we have to do it. <laughs> We're not at Silic yet because we've got another little fun bit of the heist first. Oh, the which heist. Is the, uh, they get back in their shuttle pod having recovered these Suliban discs and having Malcolm very pinpoint carefully shot the phasers in a very stupid but kind of fun way. And then the Suliban, oh no, have locked the docking clamps so we can't get the shuttle off the ship. And Archer's like, well, just put thrusters to maximum. So they tear the fucking docking clamps away from the Suluban ship and a bunch of Suluban fall out into space as they fly <laughs> off. Job well done. That made me laugh too. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was funny. Oh. <laughs> it's it's also, because um, I, I think that Patrick, you and I spoke to a friend of the show, Andrew Woodall, after the Shuttle Pod 1 episode, and he pointed mm. out that there's no airlock on top of the shuttle. So they must have used that weird little concertina thing. Perhaps that's what was going on. That little sort of soft seal shuttle um, airlock that they use in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's broken and they have to make a new one. Now they've ripped it off. Do you know what would have been really funny? If it had made concertina noises as they were trying to pull away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also imagining one of the Suluban floating in space, slowly dying as Hello plays in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Suluban love Lionel Richie. (laughs) As a solitary tear runs down its face and freezes. Oh, that's good. That's Battlestar Galactica good, that is. But with Lionel Richie playing in the background. (laughs) Instead of Bob Dylan. Yeah. (laughs) Even some deep cuts. (laughs) So... 
They've now got the evidence that the Sulaban framed them for blowing up the planet, and Archer contacts Forrest, and Forrest's like, yes, I can take credit for this! Fuck yeah! <laughs> and Archer says, hey, I got this because I have friends in high places. And Forrest's like, oh, do, do you mean me? Are we friends? <laughs> no, not you. Now, though, yes, we have to talk Silic. <laughs> so boring. Okay, that's just Silic is in the room with Future Man. Future Man says, "Get me Archer." Silic says, "What about the discs?" Future Man says, "No, get me Archer." Scene done. Yeah, I'm gonna name that guy Shadow Person Zordon. <laughs> <laughs> he says to Silic, "Recruit me five teenagers with attitude." And Silic's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, the pink one has to be a woman for it to be normal. <laughs> I have scanned this Jonathan Archer. He is the prime Red Ranger. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe like blue at best, but really red? Like, no, not red. Yeah. So yeah, that's that scene. <laughs> Back on the Enterprise, T'Pol's talking to Archer and he's all like, hey, I did this because of time travel, and she's still going, look, time travel is not possible. The Vulcan Science Directorate has concluded that. And I do like Archer saying, well, good for the Vulcan Science Directorate. Yeah, they can kiss my mm. dick. <laughs> <laughs> my captain dick. I, I, you know what, I'm actually impressed because they talk about that conversation he had 10 months ago before he got on the ship. I'm impressed he fucking remembered the words, what, like, Trip yeah. say. Like, imagine a conversation that we had last week you can't, because we don't have a clue what was said. I mean, I was editing it this morning, and I don't remember. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so it seems like all's well ends well. Yeah, they're going to meet the Vulcan ship, give them the evidence, and then they can keep going on their mission. But instead, there seems a weird problem with the warp field, and Archer's like, oh, shit, this is the consequences of my actions. <laughs> and it turns out they are surrounded by little Suluban pods. And Silic hails them and says, one of the pods is going to dock with you. Archer, you're going to get on that pod. And then everyone's fine. And he does. He straight up gets on the pod. Well, he gets on the turbo lift, but keeps his back to the doors so no one can see him crying. And then when the turbo lift opens, he's not on the Enterprise or the Suluban ship. He's in a ruined corridor. Not a corridor. <laughs> also, there's a, a line in this preceding scene that I feel should have been more important when he turns to Hoshi and says, remember, no cheese. And I thought they should have put that in the wall of the writer's room of this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? He says to, to Paul, you're in command. He says to Trip something about look after the engines. Says to Malcolm, keep the weapons ready. He says to Hoshi, look after my dog, because I can't remember what you actually do on the ship. <laughs> looks at Travis and goes, don't know who this guy is, and leaves. <laughs> yeah, he looks at Travis and goes, and you, young man, are the bravest of all, so you can have this Dutch courage that I... <laughs> I prefer <laughs> I prefer the version where he goes down everybody in a line and Travis is at the end of the line and just skips Travis and Travis just looks expectantly sad because he doesn't think Travis is a crew member. Why would he pay any attention to this random person that he's not spent any time with? <laughs> I'm only the person who stops you from dying by crashing into asteroids every day. <laughs> no one cares. Nah. If he notices that, 
He's right below him at his feet. He doesn't look at his feet. <laughs> oh. But because Archer is no longer on either ship, Cilic hails the Enterprise and says, where's Archer? And they go, well, we don't know. He's not on our ship. And he says, well, that's a lie, which fair, because why yeah. would you believe them? And says, I'm going to destroy you now. And they go, oh, no. Yeah. Cilic as well is such a hack. Like, not the actor who plays Cilic, but just the character. Like, the actor does a good job of, like, this weird sort of, like, Vincent Price moss man that he's been forced to play. But it's just that Cilic is a bit of a tit. <laughs> and I kind of like that about him. Like, he's too excitable for his own good. I, I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, I'm looking it up. Well, uh, John Fleck. But I feel like... There's sort of a a feeling that I the same feeling I get when I watch uh, watched the Francis Ford Coppola movie Bram Stoker's Dracula about Anthony Hopkins. He's in a completely different film to everyone else because he's read the script and gone, "This is fucking shit." I'm just going to ham it up and have some fun. I, I feel like the the guy who played Silic, like before he went in to do his bit, like watched like a King Tut episode of the '60s Batman and was like, "That's what I'm doing." Came <laughs> on the set, you know. Yeah, we we cut from there back to Archer, and he walks through the destroyed corridor to a room with a window. Looks outside. There is a fucking desolated wasteland of a city out there in front of him. And then Daniels is there saying, "So small problem. I brought you to the future to avoid this, but it looks like you coming to the future has caused this, and we can't get you back because we don't have that technology anymore because of all the destruction that you being here has caused to be continued." It's the it's the whole bit like the Daniels just had a really nice breakfast. He's right, right. Just gonna go wash my face. Uh, just switch this thing on. It'll bring Archer to me in the next couple of minutes. By the time I'm done, I'll come back and be, Jesus Christ, you've been here all of twenty seconds. What have you done? What is wrong with you? Why are you like my clothes? Why are my clothes made of rubber hose? <laughs> I was just wearing my lovely hose costume. <laughs> <laughs> and you've completely not only trashed my house, but the entire city outside. So much dust. How as well? Because he says, like, oh, all of this stuff is destroyed. And I'm like, okay, but this is a galaxy-spanning civilization. Surely somewhere else has got a few more of whatever they were doing on that planet. I mean, probably, but we wouldn't get a cliffhanger if they knew that now. Yeah, it's just like, uh, it's one of the things that always bugs me about Star Trek is that it's always like the one place that this thing can happen. Like, you know, when Praxis explodes in one of the movies, it's like, oh, that's the Klingon's main energy production planet. And I'm like, how do they get the energy from there to other planets? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Run some cables from here to Kronos. Shut up. Telling a whole franchise to shut up <laughs> the federation like turn up and their aid is that they they fetched like two hundred thousand extension cords that they can attach so they can attach it to another planet and use the energy from that one instead i don't know how this works science that's how it works oh science so yeah that's that's how they ended season one of enterprise and do you know what temporal cold war stuff fucking shit the rest of it kind of liked so overall i give this episode a uh. i i don't know it's i didn't like like the non-temporal cold war parts of it there were some okay parts but 
I just don't care about these characters. <laughs> Even at the best of times, these characters are just bearable. I think that this episode was... A, a, there was effort in this episode. You could see that they tried. Hmm. And I give them, give them a point for that. What I'm not going to give them a point for is there have been like two and a half in a row good series of Star Trek just before this, right? You're like, TNG was great. DS9 was great. Voyager had its moments. It was At least it wasn't this bland. Like, at least stuff happened in, in, uh, in Voyager. And this was the literal best they could come up with for the, the end of their first series finale. Like, those two fucking clowns sat down and wrote this episode and thought it was going to be good. I feel like it, we didn't need a cliffhanger here. They didn't need to do a, a two-parter between seasons one and two. What could have been a lovely episode where Enterprise gets framed for something really bad, and then they do a heist, a really fun heist, and go prove that they didn't, and then just go, well, let's carry on into the space. Yeah. That would have been nice. What All they needed at the end of this series was just to draw a line under this. If they do anything wrong, they have to go home. Like, that would have been fun. Absolutely. They should. They really should have focused on Archer's reputation and the consequences of whatever happens is going to affect Earth and Archer's reputation. And Archer is representing Earth at the moment, the entirety of Earth, because they're the only ones out there. I wouldn't have minded if, like, at the end of the episode where they, like, they proved it wrong all along and everyone's like, but I wonder who did it. And then it just cuts to... Ooh, what am I, Silic, doing hidden in the mines of this planet? <laughs> Stick around and you'll find out. <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, a, a dangling plot thread rather than a full-out cliffhanger. Yeah. I think this was like this was the era for it, wasn't it? Like Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine had just done a whole bunch of like arced TV shows, and like every show had to have its arc. Just like, you know, after like BSG, all science fiction had to be super gritty for a while. Yeah, the the problem is this story arc is shit. Yeah, it's really, really bad. I, I just, like, I just don't know what they were thinking. And whatever they were thinking, they were thinking it wrong. I, I, I kind of lay this at Berman's feet. His wanting to keep it the same, even though they've decided to do a prequel, and so bring in the future stuff so that they can have, like, if you freeze frame the shot where it goes through Daniels's database of ships, you see like a Defiant class ship, an Excelsior class ship, and just so they can say, "Hey, here's that thing you like," like two hundred years early. Yeah, and yeah. it's just Berman wanting to not change things up at all. To be fair, and and. This is a very broad sort of defense of them, very sort of slim defense. Is I don't think that TV was ready and understood how to do prequels because hmm. I guess at this point they just watched the Star Wars prequels happen. And actually, people seem to like them now for some reason, but you know, let's face it, they were shite. And I think that they kind of thought, oh, if we mess with it, if we make it like its, its own thing, like the Star Wars prequels were kind of trying to do, like, not just rehash the original three, the three films. If and they probably thought like, uh, if we do this, we're going to you know fall into that path. So we just kind of have to set this up, you know, in, in a sort of a relatable way. And that's like the best sort of defense I can give what Brandon Braga were doing in this um, 
uh, sorry, no, Berman and Braga, I should say, were doing in this. But yeah, it's weak source anyway. It was just a timid, lackluster setup for a show, which could have been, without even really breaking those rules, a hell of a lot better. You know, it's funny because I kind of like the prequels I don't know about a lot of other people I'm not sure if this is the case but I feel like a lot of people who like the prequels of Star Wars these days like them because they're so heavily memed and (laughs) recognisable scenes and Ewan McGregor entertainment value it's like they're not necessarily good films but they are entertaining to me Yeah, one and three I find Attack of the Clones a little bit dull but that's definitely the worst one. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are still dull moments in a couple of the other films, but they have entertaining scenes at the very least, even if they're not good. Yeah, I, I agree but with you. This is not and, even entertaining. No, absolutely not. I mean, if you go into any sort of like message board or thread or, or Instagram comment section or whatever today, everybody who likes the, the prequels of Star Wars are either sort of, either they want. Obi-Wan Kenobi is their dad, or they want to sleep with him, but they will not admit that. Um, and, <laughs> and that's a lot of it. But yeah, at least the prequels give us some interesting characters that we could kind of, you know, if not root for, then enjoy seeing. I've actually come full circle on hating Mopey Anakin to now just finding it entertaining and laughing at him every time he doesn't smile. Uh, I, I mean, I got a lot of time for Hayden Christian. I think he's a, he's a, he's a decent guy, but he just like, had no direction in those films at all. Because yeah, like, Natalie no, Portman is amazing as, as an actor, and and yet she's like, oh look, Anakin, let's roll around in this grass. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, look, this is Natalie Portman. But yeah, I I, I firmly put the the direction at Lucas's foot. Here's the thing, though. I think the the Star Wars prequels are sort of having a reappraisal these days in terms of there are people out there who defend them, who like them. I think a lot of those people are the people who were kids when they came out yeah. as well, and that was their new Star Wars, so they they have an emotional attachment to it as well. I don't see anyone defending the Temporal Cold War in Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to loop it back around to Enterprise again, yeah, we've just watched a, a whole series of what looked like a management training course. <laughs> You know, I think if I wouldn't begrudge Enterprise if it had not done any of this temporal Cold War bollocks in like season four, doing a two part episode where they did travel to the future and saw some of the stuff we were familiar with. I'd be all that, you know, fan service. You've had yeah. three seasons of prequel. Here's a two parter for you where we do this stuff and it's fun. I'd yeah. have been fine with that. It's this trying to thread it through as a story arc is just it's bullshit. The whole thing is bullshit. Yeah, I agree. But. You know, ultimately we've got season two ahead, and maybe that will be better. I cannot remember <laughs> anything about season two, which bodes poorly for us. But I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I remember right. season three and four, but I don't have much memory of season two. They are going to have to step up character development if they want me, which I know they don't care about me, but if they want me to enjoy this show i need the characters to have at least a layer of depth they are so flat at the moment i think they do care elliot i think 20 years ago berman and braga finished season one and went do you know in 20 years time elliot's (laughs) going to be doing a podcast and he is not going to have enjoyed what we just did so yeah well i remember that interview actually uh actually i remember the interview (laughs) where they said that 
Yeah, I think it was in Star Trek Monthly magazine or something. <laughs> the Fact Files. I think it's in Star Trek Fact Files. Oh, God. Don't remind me how many of those I bought. Like, who, who is Elliot Red? <laughs> that was the article. <laughs> but yeah, enjoyed the heist. Some interesting stuff in there that they could have done more with, but they made it about the Temporal Cold War and no one gives a shit. Here's my sum up. It's one of the weakest attempts at a store like an arcing story over a series i've ever seen this temporal cold war thing it's the least flavorful storyline i've ever had to watch in a tv show i mean do we have any more to say about oh, I could, oh yeah i could keep there. insulting it yeah it was terrible <laughs> the whole cliffhanger just being oh this is in the future oh he's in the future the show's already in the 31st as well as yeah, it is. But isn't the thirty-first century the one of the main time periods of one of the other shows? Or am I wrong in that? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay, I thought that one of the other shows was set in the thirty-first century. But is that the furthest that we've been chronologically? I can't remember. You're going to make me look stuff up. When is Discovery season three set? That's what I can't remember. I think it might be after this, or it is yeah. But we'll get to that eventually. God, whatever. I just didn't. I just didn't care. <laughs> the series has done nothing to help itself make me care. Well, um, <laughs> our next episode is Shockwave Part Two, and you know, there's no point asking Elliot what he thinks he's going to get because it's Part Two of this episode he's just watched. So we're not even going to bother doing that. So what? What? What's the plan going forward now, Patrick? You've got a, you've got a plan, right? We are going to go on hiatus for a few weeks yeah. because we finished Enterprise's first season. We finished our first season. But now, you know, it takes time to record and edit these. We need a break so we can get ahead again so that, you know, we can bring you an episode every week once we do return. We will be returning to start Enterprise Season 2 in a few weeks' time. So we'll keep you appraised on our social media details for that. Uh, so keep an eye on those. We'll let you know once we've decided. Four, six, eight, one of those numbers of weeks. Hooray. Thank God. <laughs> Not for us, Elliot. We're still going to watch and record them because yeah! we've got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> But if you want to keep up with us in the meantime, uh, again, social media details are in the description. In this gap, we're also going to try... I'm not making any promises, but we're going to try and launch our Patreon and maybe record some exclusive content for that. So... Again, keep an eye on our social media details for information about when that comes out. Maybe an Enterprise Season 1 wrap-up will be in there. Yeah, and if you've got any ideas or anything that you would like to see as part of a Patreon, then then let us know. Um, If we hate it, we won't do it. (laughs) We won't even mention it. Yeah, you'll just be silent. But we might love it, so don't let that discourage you. Yeah, and then we will not credit you for your idea, and we'll just do it. no. That's a lie. And if if we use anyone's ideas, they will naturally get some form of credit, and we will give you a hug. Mm. No, I'm I might actually go out on a limb and encourage people to ask me questions if they want, because whilst I haven't seen much Star Trek, I've seen a lot of other sci-fi, and I obviously throughout every episode, I think you and you noticed I might end up comparing Star Trek to a different sci-fi thing i've seen every every almost every episode i end up going oh this is like this other good thing i saw which is better a lot of dragon ball z a couple to go a couple of dragon ball z some firefly some alien other things various other things life so but if anyone has any questions for me about what i've thought about what i've seen in, in particular or anything that i haven't mentioned that they want to know 
how I feel about what we've seen so far, then go ahead and ask. Hashtag Ask Elliot. Yeah, maybe a write-in questions show. Yeah. But yeah, keep an eye out for those, and we will be back in a few weeks' time to start Enterprise Season 2 with Shockwave Part 2. Oh, aren't you excited? Thanks for listening. As ever, please do rate and review us if you can. We'd hugely appreciate it. Take care, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.